on this episode of Japan 2.0. If I had to use one word to describe capitalist clothing, I'd be torn between wrong and tragic. Hello and welcome to Japan 2.0. Uh, this is your host, David, and I'm coming at you today with a new series that we're starting. Um, I'm calling this one Japan Through Fashion. And the basic idea of this series that I'll be starting is what can we learn about Japan through fashion? And honestly, I'm starting this journey with this series asking that question myself. And I don't necessarily have a predetermined answer for you, but I think with every episode, I'm going to end with that same question in which I'll force myself to kind of answer that with the current brand or um, subsect of fashion that we'll be looking at for this episode. Uh, today's episode is on a company called Capital, and basically I'm going to kind of introduce my hopes for the series. I'm going to talk about my history with fashion personally and my interest with it. Uh, then I'm going to kind of go into the history of Capital as a company, and then I'll talk about my experience that I've had with Capital and kind of in there and hopefully have an answer to that thesis of what can we learn about Japan through fashion. So uh, with this series, I'm starting to answer that question that I want to kind of find out, and this will kind of force me to take the time to figure that out with you guys. Um, but honestly, fashion is an interest that I've had um, since I was about 17 years old, and I have honestly have no one to share it with. Um, I've often said the same thing about my love for kind of like nerd or video game culture um, until I met Matt out in Korea. But before that time, uh, all the friends I had just weren't really into games or kind of even like Asian culture at all. And it was always like something I was kind of shy about talking with. I didn't want to annoy them. And luckily, you know, I found, I found Matt, um, you know, about 10 years ago in Korea. And I've been able to kind of get that out through our podcast with him and just talking with him. But um, Matt's definitely interested in fashion, but um, I don't know if he's as like obsessed with studying it and reading about it as, as I am. So I kind of feel not just him, but anyone that it, you know, if you talk about something too much and they're not interested in it, your friends would be nice and listen. But I don't want to drive them crazy about it. Um, so this uh, series is hopefully like an avenue for me to kind of be able to get that out of my system and hopefully you know share and. Um, you know, um, maybe teach some of you guys about that or, you know, kind of build a hopefully community about this and teach each other about new brands and <clears throat> train each other on the, uh, you know, different avenues. So in this series, like I said, I'm starting with Capital today, um, but a couple other my favorite brands that I really want to talk about, they just don't have a lot of coverage in the West. Is kind of why I'm focusing on these and they're ones I particularly like are uh, Vism. I hope to do an episode on Undercover. Comme de Garçon, Yoji Yamamoto, that'll probably be the same episode. And then uh, probably the least known of the companies is Black Means, which is a, a leather company. So those are a couple episodes I'm hoping to do. Um, as you know, if you've been a listener to this podcast, uh, we've kind of been on a break recently. 
we do plan to come back and kind of do our regular episodes um, about bi-monthly is what we used to do. Oh, sorry, bi-weekly, twice a month. Um, and this one, to be honest, is going to be inconsistent. You might get two of these a year. You might get one a year. Um, but if you're coming at this, you know, in the future, hopefully you got five or six you can go back on and look on. But yeah, don't be waiting with bated breath for the next one. Um, anyway, let's kind of jump into it here. Um, my history of fashion. So as a 17-year-old boy in uh, the suburbs of Michigan, it's not at all the uh, fashion capital of the U.S. And um, I guess for me, I was uh, a pretty normal white kid in the suburbs. I didn't really care about my clothes. I was just shopping at like American Eagle <laughs> or Abercrombie. Um, and it wasn't until I went to a um, punk show. I was dating her at the time. It was a bassist in a punk band. And she took me to this place called the Flint Local 432. And uh, I saw guys wearing like non-baggy clothes for the first time in person. You know, I've, I've seen <laughs> photos and rock music and all that. But it was the first time I guess I saw it in person where I just thought it looked really cool. And I just felt really out of place at this uh, local club. Um, definitely with what I was wearing. But the thing was, everyone was super cool about it. You know, no one treated me differently or anything like that. But I just remember like the takeaway, it was a lot of takeaway. It was a bit of a culture shock for me. But I do remember thinking later, like, man, those, those, those jeans everyone was wearing were, were so cool. Like, where can I get those? And this is the time we're looking at like uh, 1999, 2000. We're like uh, within a certain underground culture, at least in the, in the suburbs, this is underground. If you're in a big city, it probably wasn't. But uh, guys were in like the girls' jeans thing. And um, I'd heard about a, a brand called Diesel, which seemed very exotic at the time. But now it's a, I, I live in a big city, it's a dime a dozen. But I remember going on eBay and buying a pair of like Diesel jeans because they were skinny and made, made for guys. I was a little bit nervous about uh, the possibility of wearing uh, girls' girls' jeans and uh, buying a pair of Diesel jeans for like $60 off eBay and just wearing them around the house and being too embarrassed to go outside and wear them. And just being a silly kid, um, I'm embarrassing myself here. I, I didn't know I was going to go this deep into my history. Anyway, long story short, I started kind of looking it up, and these diesel jeans weren't perfect. They weren't what I wanted. You know, they had, like, uh, pre-washed and things like that. So I started doing my research, and I came across this site called Super Future. And now we're probably looking at my, my junior or senior year in high school. This is, like, 2001, 2002. And um, this site was dedicated to, to fashion, and there was a lot of guys that I felt were like me. And there was kind of a big Asian culture on this site, whether it was the users were actually from Asian countries or uh, a lot of the brands that people liked seemed to be from Asian countries, particularly Japan. And this really opened a lot of avenues to me. Um, I've always said that, uh, yeah, I liked games and manga a little bit. Uh, I definitely like games a lot, manga a little bit. My, my big interest in Japan really started from like a design or a fashion. And this, this honestly, um, I haven't talked about this in full depth on the show, but this is kind of the story of how that happened was this, this internet forum called Super Future. It's still around, but it's not at all popular, and it's, it's kind of a janky design now. But um, this site really centered itself around jeans or, or denim which is just what I was looking for. And um, it was cool, and it taught me a lot about the quality of denim you're looking for, these terms like salvage or um, raw denim at the time. Um, but 
a lot of the brands featured on there had a fit that I wasn't looking for. It was a more a traditional kind of straight fit or, or baggy fit. And I felt it kind of taught uh, this Japanese denim industry. It took them kind of years to catch up with the whole like skinny trend that I was really, really into at the time. Um, so I became aware of like Japanese denim and Japanese clothing then, and it seemed really cool. Like, the quality was nice, the materials were nice, which would kind of be a theme of the show. But the fits were really off to me. And as I started to develop um, as a person who was interested in fashion, um, moving into like the mid 2000s and 20s, I was yeah, obsessed with that tailored fit. Um, for me, my kind of big, if I could you know, go on a shopping spree anywhere, it'd be this designer named Eddie Selene. He was working for a company called Dior at the time. And go back and check out like early 2000s Dior stuff and you'll, you'll see what I was into. But it was very much like a rock, rocker kind of chic style. So that's what I was into, and I was really subscribed to this idea that fit is key. And I, you know, got really into vintage shopping, and I would go to like the Salvation Army and stuff, and go buy like old nineteen seventies Levi's jeans. And uh, yeah, I was just obsessed with finding like a really nice tailored fit for years. Honestly, until very very recently, which um, I'll, I'll get into. This is the model I subscribe by: that um, fit is key. Nothing, everything else is second secondary to that. Um, so I liked companies, yeah, like Dior and APC, but I was very poor, a college student, and I barely had the money to afford those things. So I was just going to vintage stores trying to find something that would give me a similar look. Um, still, though, I was using that site called Superfuture, and you know, everyone was always talking about these brands like Samurai and uh, Vism, which are Japanese companies. And you know, these guys who definitely knew more than me and they took this stuff more seriously than me. I was just kind of like a casual fan. Um, we're really going gaga for this stuff. Um, and I do remember for the first time around then, this is probably 2004, five, um, almost 15 years ago today, hearing about Capital. But all I remember hearing about them was they had like $50 socks. <laughs> and I looked at them and they seemed, they seemed really cool, but $50 socks just seemed like the big takeaway for me. Um, so anyway, that's kind of my personal history with fashion. Um, I will say I kind of kept those styles. I still love that Eddie Slimane, uh, that very slim fit look until very recently. I moved to Japan in 2013, so five years ago today. And when I came here, I was still wearing you know skinny jeans, wearing like um, you know uh, like rock, rocker style boots and just vintage t-shirts and stuff. And that's, that was kind of my fashion. And I've always been reading about all these Japanese brands, you know, um, Oni, Denim, Samurai, again, Vism, Capital. And I've been interested and I always check them out online and I was just wish, man, why don't they make better fitting clothes? The materials, the, um, key on detail, the process in which they make these clothes is so amazing, but you know, the fit's not good. So when I moved out here, I was excited to at least try these things on. I thought, well, maybe in person, they'll, maybe they'll fit me better than these people I'm looking at online. And um, it, they didn't. So it still seemed kind of like hands off to me. And also moving to Japan, I was surprised that more people didn't wear these brands. I thought I was just going to be walking down the streets of Osaka, you know, and seeing everyone wearing all these brands that I, I've mentioned. And it was a rare thing. You know, if, if I go to like the cool part of town, you know, in a day you might see one or two people, you know, six hours walking around the city. And that was, that was really surprising to me. Um, so before I get into the history of capital, there's this kind of transitional piece of clothing that 
opened my mind, that changed the way I kind of viewed fashion and really made me open to, okay, I don't care about fit anymore. I'm going to jump into these Japanese brands because they're just so awesome. And uh, that piece of clothing is something called a norogi, naragi. Um, and basically what you would call it, if you didn't know better, was probably like a short kimono jacket. Um, yeah, to someone uninitiated, it just looks like you've taken a kimono and like cut it at the waist. Um, it's kind of like a cardigan without a, a button is another way to describe it. Uh, yeah, if you need a visual, go on, go on our blog or you can just Google Norogi, N-O-R-A-G-I. And there's tons of derivatives of this. Um, Vism calls it like a, a Lamo, L-L-A-M-O, but I think they just made that word up. Um, but there's like Dorogi and yeah, for thicker ones and there's tons of them. There's small nuances, and honestly, I, I don't know exactly all the key details. But there's someone out there who, who does. So check that out if you're interested. But basically, I, I never actually really saw people wearing them. We're looking at 2013, right? Ren and I had just moved here. Um, I didn't see anyone wearing one casually. But I walked into a store called Blue Blue, and which is a pretty cool store, and everything in there is, is blue and uses indigo. Um, and they had what looked like a kindogi hanging. That's what I would kind of call it. And I saw it, and it was like $250, 25,000 yen. And I was like, man, <laughs> that's pretty cool, but I feel like this is just like upcharged for fashion. And there's got to be like just like a, a gi store, you know, where like actually people do kindo that could just buy the same thing for like 50 bucks. And I tried to look around. I asked some friends, but um, they're always like out of town and hard to find. And I, I never made it out to one. I kind of just wanted to buy it online and couldn't. So a year later, this, this jacket's sticking on my mind, you know. Uh, the only location that had it in store was out in Tokyo. So I got there a couple times a year. So I didn't go, going back a year later, you know, you've all been there before. <laughs> you kind of pass on something and it stays in your mind and you just kind of fixate on it and that was me with this jacket and uh yeah it's just like it's a blue kind of textured jacket and uh i started wearing it and it's the kind of thing you know you wear and people kind of compliment you on it and you're like oh yeah you know this is pretty cool and uh i just kind of found it to be like this staple piece like i always wanted to wear it it was so comfortable it gets pretty cold in japan in the winter um so i always like just threw it over a t-shirt or you could put it underneath a jacket and it just kind of was like one of those things that changes up your, your wardrobe. Um, and I f wanted to wear jackets on top of it, which meant requiring to buy larger clothes than I normally would. Um, in Japan, I'm typically a medium. In the States, maybe a small. And uh, I was having to buy like large size jackets to fit over this thing, which kind of then, you know, I started getting these larger pieces in my wardrobe and kind of seeing it after you wear them a while, they... Uh, loosen up a bit and they're not so stiff and they become a little more drapey and I started liking the look of that and thus like I said I started to go back to some of these companies and think huh maybe the fit isn't so bad uh maybe it's you know I wish it was a slimmer fit but you know maybe I can get over that so I'm gonna take a break uh we'll come back with the history of capital um, currently my favorite Japanese brand and I want to tell you why I love this company so much I want to tell you why it got me to change my fit and my clothes my kind of view of fashion after 15 years of really having the same style um, in my adult life this is really the first time that I've just said yeah 
screw it, <laughs> screw everything that I've invested in. I'm going to start buying these pieces. Don't really go with anything else I wear, but this stuff is so cool that I'm just going to do that. To kind of start this section off, I haven't really told you about capital or why it's so cool exactly.、Um, so, before I go into the history, I'm going to give you a quote from、uh, the popular author David Sedaris. He did a New Yorker art- article about his trip to Tokyo, and he seems to be a pretty big capital fan. I talked about them. A shirt might look normal enough until you try it on and discover that the armholes have been moved and are no longer level with your shoulders, like a capital T, but further down your torso, like a lowercase t. Jackets with patches on them might be senselessly bunched at your left hip, or maybe they poof out at the small of your back, where there's no good reason. Or maybe there's just a random pocket somewhere. I've yet to see a pair of capital trousers with a single leg hole, but I wouldn't laugh at the idea if they did it. It'd be very capital. So. There you go. I would say he's kind of being a little bit extreme there. It doesn't sound very likable.、Um, and he, he is a big fan.、Um, but that kind of gives you the idea of what we're in for. So let me tell you about how this cap- capital company、uh, came to be.、Um, reading this from an article from Heddles, I don't know how to pronounce the site.、Um, it's just called Capital History Philosophy. If you look it up, you can see it. I'm just going to kind of read verbatim the, the history from this.、Um, so capital started in the 1980s. Uh, the guy who started it, the founder, his name is Toshikiyo Hirata.、Um, and he was living in the States and teaching karate. And、uh, when he came back after living in the States,、uh, he decided he wanted to start making his own denim. And you'll see this a lot in Japan. There's this obsession with、uh, Americana, if you're not familiar with it,、uh, Levi's.、Um, so, yeah, especially his generation. Around this time,、uh, like post World War II, right?、Um, there was a big obsession over the Americana look. So he comes back and wants to start his own denim company and makes a factory in 1984, the year I'm born. And his store,、uh, he makes denim and he sells vintage clothing in Kojima. Now, even today in 2018, Capital is still out in Kojima, in Okayama. And in about A week, I'm actually going to go to their headquarters. So I might do a follow up with this with Albert,、uh, who's been on our show before.、Um, Albert,、uh, not super interested in、uh, Japanese fashion and stuff. So it'll kind of be interesting, I think, to get his take on what he thinks about the place.、Um, like I said before, I'm always nagging and bugging my friends you know, to come check this stuff out.、Um, so yeah, I, I kind of maybe we'll record that if, if we have time. Um, now, here's the interesting thing about capital. You can't just talk about、uh, the founder and main owner.、Uh, it is a father son company these days, which I think is one of the coolest things about it.、Uh, his son's name is Kido,、uh, and he kind of follows the same path of his dad. He goes over to the US when he's 18 to study abroad, and when he comes back, he got interested in fashion.、Uh, he was a designer for a pretty famous company called 45 RPM.、Um, And、he worked there for a while. I think he learned a lot of like sewing techniques. 
and eventually left to come and join his dad. Um, while he was at 45 RPM, another kind of important, unofficial member of Capitol, but kind of official, is their photographer. Uh, his name's Eric Vatek. I'm not sure how to say his last name, K-V-A-T-A-K. And um, their lookbooks they put together are really interesting. And, yeah, someone like me out in Michigan in the early 2000s, definitely um, Eric's um, books and photography of Capitol and his documenting it. It felt very much like 1950s, like documentary films. Um, Yeah, it's it's a very unique look. So uh, he met at 45 RPM. Then they left. uh, He Kido left and comes back with his dad in 2002. So this is kind of really the birth of the modern-day capital that we all know um, after this point in 2002, which if I think back to when I was first hearing about capital, it would have been like 2004, 2005. So it's interesting it was not that far after when Kido joins up. And I'm going to take a lot of liberties and guess guesswork here, but I'm guessing that probably without Kido... Personally, I wouldn't really be interested in capital. Um, there's a kind of playful, and it's not at all trendy, but it, it isn't like an old man's Americana company. And there's so many companies. Samurai, another jean company I'm really interested in, is definitely more of like an old man's. Like You could tell it's a bunch of 40, 50-year-old dudes who've made this company. Um, but capital has this youthful playfulness to it, and it's got to be because the sun... Um, his influence. And I guess one of the reasons I love Capital, and you know, I'm a dad now and I have a son, is like you can kind of feel when they're designing their pieces, the son or the father has made a piece just to get the other one to laugh. Because their clothes are kind of ridiculous, as Sidera said. They're kind of weird. They're kind of off the wall. Um, I brought one of my best friends, Akita, to a Capital shop just yesterday in Kobe. And he was just like laughing at some of the clothes. And that's totally a normal response to Capital is like, you would laugh in their shops. And I think they want you to have that. And getting to the reason why I love Capital, um, it's because it takes the pretentious out of fashion. Now, the clothes are quite expensive, and I can't think of any other shop where you would go in and drop a couple hundred dollars, $400, $500 on a piece, and it's not at all stuffy or pretentious, you know? Or like there would be clothes in there that would make you laugh. Are that are trying to make you laugh? Um, the shirt that my friend was laughing at was like a, a playoff polo. So the polo uh, Ralph Lauren has uh, the horse, right? And in recent years, somehow the, the horse has been getting bigger. And I'm sure you've seen these before, but you have these guys walking around with like the pop collar and there's like a giant, you know, polo horse, like huge, like bigger than your fists. So they have like a polo with like a big woolly mammoth on it and it's just huge over like the left breast so it's like a playoff poking fun at a parody of you know ralph lauren and they'll, they'll do that they'll do like these parodies of other companies and kind of poking fun or teasing at them and you know you might see that at a company with low overhead you know or like 20 or 30 dollar clothing but for a company that is going to make a very high quality shirt with a, a process like handmade process to go this far and to make a joke it's one of the really unique aspects of capital and I think it's a big turnoff to a lot of people. They might see that and think it's really serious and that they're trying to be cool because 99 times out of 100, a fashion company is trying to sell coolness, you know? Um, and I think I often misread capitals back in the early days. Um, 
Speaking of which, I want to kind of get into when I moved out here, um, the first time I went to Capitol, there were parts of it I loved, but I wasn't totally sold on the brand. And it was something that took years of living here for me to really go crazy for. Um, so my local shop in Kobe um, has a Capitol store. I think it's one of the longer Capitol stores. There's something like in between 15 and 20 in all of Japan. And they give you a pog. <laughs> if you don't know what a pog is, if you're not uh, North American, it's like a milk, a piece of cardboard that used to be found on the top of a milk cap. And there was a game we used to play growing up. Um, but they give you these pogs, these little cardboard circles for each store, and you, you collect them all, you know. And anyway, so Kobe One's been around for a long time. And uh, the shop is really difficult to find, and it's just down a small alleyway, and it's separated over three rooms and a building. So you have to like go out and into the hall, walk down to like another room to go see more clothes, and it's almost interactive. I guess is how I describe it. Um, outside, there's just like old, rusted out bicycles. Uh, the smell of the store is phenomenal. All capital stores smell really good, but this Kobe one in particular, I think, smells incredible. You can just smell it from the streets. I've asked them about the smell before, and they've they've kind of clued me in, but it's been like a little bit cryptic the answer. Um, but uh, yeah, it smells incredible. You walk in and you feel like you've gone into like a yurt, I think is the best way to describe it. Um, the music is always some sort of like ethnic music playing with a little like jazzy vibe to it, an old timey feel. And it's a little bit like falling down Alice in Wonderland, a little bit like being in a yurt. The dressing rooms are definitely yurt inspired. And there's just stuff everywhere stuff hanging from weird places there's things that look like they should maybe be thrown away but they're not um it's it's pretty wild in some ways it looks like you just threw something on a wall and saw it stuck but in other ways you can tell it's definitely crafted and intentional and the longer you stay in a capital store the more things you see and i'm typically a pretty fast shopper i would never really stay in a shop for more than five or ten minutes um, I don't know why. I just always feel like pressure from the sales staff and I do my research ahead of time so I kind of know what I want. But I've stayed in capital stores for an hour before and for me that's that's pretty incredible. Um, and I only bought something after being there for 35 minutes. I did my initial look through and didn't see this piece of clothing but um, I had a friend who was there shopping for someone else and because of that I was just kind of digging through the piles of clothes and found something I really, really loved. But I'm kind of getting into it a bit um, fast here. Um, the aesthetic of Capital, David Sedaris describes it, I would say it's a bit like a traditional Indigo Okayama denim company, if you're familiar with those. It's quirky, it's avant-garde, it's a bit anti-fashion. Um, on record, the creators have said that they don't care at all about fit. A lot of the clothes are unisex, and um, the fits are, are weird. The crotches are very low. Um, you know, they go against the current trends for sure. Sedaris talked about random pockets and stuff. There are pieces, yeah, that do have like five pockets on the back of the shirt and stuff. Um, so I would call that anti-fashion. You know, they don't really care about the fashion industry. They don't do uh, fashion shows, although they, they did a one-off, I think, in Hiroshima. Um, 
whimsical hippie bohemian uh, you take all those things you mix it together swirl up and i think you have uh, a capital um but i've been to a number of the stores now uh, a lot of them are out in tokyo there's a certain neighborhood ebis where you can walk to like three capitals in 10 minutes uh tokyo's got a lot i'm gonna say five off- offhand and the store experience the retail experience is so special um something that's really hard to put in words you just kind of gotta go but um if you are buying it from the states i would say online you're losing out on a big part of the capital experience um i mentioned price a little bit before too um like a lot of japanese brands the prices are really high in the states a lot of that had to do with the exchange rate um until recently, exchange rate was really bad if you're living outside of Japan before, so things a lot of things would be doubled. These days, I would say a lot of Japanese clothing prices are going down. But just to give you an idea of those $50, $60 socks I was telling you about before, uh, when you're actually here in Japan, they're about $20 or $30 socks. And I would say overall is the kind of um, ratio of pricing you see with capital abroad. You're probably these days in 2018 going to pay about 30% more than it costs here. Um, and I would say with capital, you kind of have to pick and choose. Uh, one of my favorite pieces of clothing I own for them is called Century Denim. And it's a piece of jeans with sashiko stitching in it. Sashiko is like a repair kind of stitching that used to be done traditionally um, with um, another style, which is called Bordo. Uh, which is uh, means rag in Japanese, and it's t- taking many pieces of cl- fabric back during war times when um, cotton and cloth was very expensive, and they used to really have to savor it, and they'd just sew it together and patch it up with uh, this traditionally white string, and it would be um, in just complete vertical or horizontal lines, so it creates a bit of a crisscross pattern, and yeah, I've always always loved it before I knew it was called, before I knew it, I love Boro and Sashiko, and uh, Visum is kind of for me my entry point to that Visum prices are insane they're so expensive incredibly overpriced very cool company but i don't think it's very reasonable for uh people even in the middle class or even slightly upper class you gotta be pretty rich to afford a lot of Visum. so i always kind of viewed capital as Visum's like weird eccentric black sheep cousin that was a little bit cheaper and more affordable um so they do offer these borrow pieces, these ragged sewn together pieces, but they are their most expensive. They do usually go towards $1,000 for those. But again, I was able to get a piece of jeans, just kind of normal price, not a sale or anything, called Century Denim. And I would say it's become one of the pieces that Capital is most known for now. Um, and it has that sashiko in it. And those are like 220 new. Um, which if you're looking at Japanese handmade you know, denim, is pretty cheap. Three hundred dollars is kind of the normal, the normal point I would say. Um, so yeah, when I bought those jeans, when I heard about those jeans, that was kind of my like, man, Capital is awesome company. I just I just want to buy everything Capital from now on. Um, why did it kind of take so long? Going back in time here, when I would go to the Kobe shop, it's kind of more of a they call it a bazaar, but it's like a their discount shop, especially. And they have like the kind of just kind of leftover things and they're marked down and they're really good prices. And then they do carry some of the newer items there. 
but they tend to lean towards more of the feminine side. Like I said before, a lot of capital stuff is unisex, but they do carry skirts and things. Um, and my local shop definitely carries a lot more of the skirts and the female clothing. <clears throat> so I would go online and see these awesome pieces of clothes, things I was very interested in, but because capital is a bit anti-fashion, I didn't know my size. I didn't want to just buy it online. I wanted to try this stuff on. It was a very different style from what I used to wear. And I went to the local Kobe shop. I would go like twice a year. I'd be like, all right, I have this new thing released. Um, this pair of like half pants, half shorts, you know, that look like a ninja might wear, but then they're like pink checkers. Um, and I'd go and be like, hey, do you have these to try on? And they're always like, oh, no, no, sorry. And, you know, it's just that retail experience was so cool, but I was always disappointed. Like, come on, why don't they carry the clothes? Because online and the lookbooks, it's like 200 to 300 pieces per season. The amount they put out is insane. And I think that's how they get away with doing a lot of the weirder stuff. You know, um, the big mammoth shirt, for example, is like, yeah, they have like, you know, 50% of capital is quite normal, quite wearable. And people are probably buying that stuff, but they can then take risks because they just put out so many pieces <coughs> that it's like I probably lose money on that stuff but just the kind of normal pieces will fund that creativity I suppose um, it's truly an, an art I think in that way a lot of artists you know will have their kind of boring or more kitschy stuff and then you know the real cool stuff that we all, all like um, is maybe really expensive but just fun to look at that's how capital is very fun to walk through the stores, but I was always disappointed. I, I went six or seven times and then I never bought anything. Oh, like their accessories were cool at my local shop. I bought a belt. It was a really awesome belt. I love the belt. It's my favorite belt I've ever owned. But you know, I wanted to buy some serious, some of these cool jackets and stuff I was seeing. So it wasn't until I heard they opened a store in Osaka at a department store, which I was shocked because Capital, while it's expensive is anti-department store. Everything a department store stands for, especially in, a in Asia, is not capital. So I was pretty reluctant when I heard about it, but it was in a men's department store. So all the clothing is only for guys, and that then to me was great news because that was the big problem I had at the local shop here. So when I went out there, mind blown. Yeah, the retail experience wasn't as cool, it wasn't as quirky, it wasn't as special. I mean, they did their best with the department store, you know. It, it is a cool shop for a department store, but it's still a department store at the end of the day. But they, they carried jeans and they carried jackets and they carried almost all the clothing I was seeing online in their catalog. Yeah, and I just wanted to spend my entire savings account in that store. Uh, that day I bought a long jacket. It's in the Narogi style, but it goes down to, like, my knees, and it's made from, like, vintage um, kimono that they've deconstructed and, like, sewn together. And just uh, the blues, the hues of blue they use in their indigo dyeing at Capital are just so good. <laughs> and in my closet now, since getting into clothing companies like Capital, like 70% of my wardrobe is blue, which is kind of annoying because I don't want to wear all blue, you know? Um, so I kind of had to make a rule for myself, like stop buying, buying blue. But the coolest stuff is always released in uh, blue, shades of blue with Capital. Um, so yeah, some of those favorite pieces are uh, that Norogi kimono, uh, the century denim is super, super cool, amazing, look those up. I'll be putting photos up on our blog just to kind of give you a, a general idea there. Um, 
but yeah, that's that's kind of capital. I went on a, a bit there um, on a tangent, but I hope you can kind of feel the uh, excitement that you know that I feel about this kind of company. And yeah, like I said, I kind of have like my old wardrobe that I used to wear, and then I kind of have like two, three years ago since I found capital and the way it's kind of changed my wardrobe. And it's been a challenge, you know, to try to combine those two things so they don't necessarily go together. But in that way, it's really cool. I can say that living in Japan has definitely changed uh, the way I represent myself, the way I present myself. Um, and capital has a really big part to that. So what can we learn about Japan through capital? Ultimately, that's the big question, you know? I think that it teaches us the kind of fun side of Japan, the silly side of Japan, which is a side that we don't always see. Um, you have kind of like the famous salary man, and you know people don't show a lot of emotion. But that's one side of Japan, and that definitely exists. But I think if you really get to know Japan, if you come out here and you meet the local people, especially out in Kansai where we live, um, or Okayama, I think capital really represents Okayama, which is kind of the countryside, laid-back atmosphere. Uh, there's a different side of Japan. And, yeah, if you look up Japanese fashion, you're probably going to find some of the other companies I'll talk about later, like Yoji Yamamoto or Komde Garçon, this, this black clothing, and you, know, you never see the creator smiling or anything like that. And that's true, that exists. But um, much like Japan... Um, and the awesome local Japanese people that we have here out in Kansai, I think Capital is that kind of company. It's a company that's silly. It has a lot of heart. It has a lot of love and care. And um, yeah, it's at the end of the day, you know, it's that kind of art, artisanal side of Japan where people are still hand making things. It's still popular. They have tons of stores across Japan. I do wish I saw more people wearing Capital to some degree, but to another degree, it's cool. It feels like a secret. Although Capital is getting pretty famous in the West, uh, people like Pharrell and John Mayer are big champions of Capital in the last five years or so. Um, but it's still it's kind of cool. It's like a club you're in, and you know, not a lot of people know about it. Um, but yeah, Capital shows us. Japan can be down to earth. It can be silly. It can be funny. It doesn't always have to take things so seriously. And I think that's uh, important. That's kind of the real Japan that we're always hoping to find on Japan 2.0 and bring you. So fashion through companies like Capital are kind of one way you can kind of get into a deeper side of Japan and explore that. And Matt kind of mentioned before, just to kind of bring it all together, um, going out in Japan and being able to make friends and not speaking the language very well. And he's kind of hypothesized, I mean, one reason that I might have a easy time at doing that or easier time than some people than doing that is the interest in fashion and is the interest in companies like Capital. And um, when sometimes local people see you wearing deep cuts of the Japanese design world, uh, they might be surprised, you know, to see a non-Japanese person wearing Capital, and it is a really good way to strike up conversation and meet people. And um, yeah, that was a great comment from Matt. It got me thinking, you know, in a way that I hadn't thought before. We have a song of the show today. Uh, I don't think I've covered them on the show, and I was trying to think, which is very hard when you heard my abstract kind of nebulous description of Capital. What Japanese group? What Japanese musician? best represents a company like Capital. And I think if I had more time, I could maybe do better. Um, but in the day of recording this, my mood was that Fishman's 
definitely in my top 10 uh, Japanese bands of all time. Um, and I've been waiting for the right moment. And I feel like a person who wears a lot of capital would be in the Fishmans. They're, again, really hard to nail down. A little bit of reggae, a little bit of indie rock, a little, stuff, a little bit of dub. Um, yeah, they're, they're an awesome group. And I'm going to do the song Poka Poka, which has a kind of a lighthearted, whimsical vibe, just like Capital. So hope you enjoy Fishman's. Great, great group. Um, big music lovers in Japan. You go to a cool cafe, cool vintage clothing store, you're going to hear uh, Fishman's playing. You're going to see Fishman's stuff on the wall. Uh, but again, a group I didn't know about until I lived out here. So hope you enjoy Fishman's. Hope you enjoy Capital. And have an awesome day. I'm not afraid.